0: Well, good morning, family. How y'all doing this morning? I want to welcome all of you all to BT Church. I am Nick, and I have the awesome honor uh, to share with you this morning from God's Word. If this is your first time joining us in the room or online, we want you to know that you are very important to us. You're, You're part of our VIP crew. You're very important to us. So, BT family, give our VIPs some love in the room and online. Uh, VIPs, if you could do us a favor, we won't ask you to stand uh, and, like they used to do in the church I grew up in. All the guests would have to stand, tell where they were from, who invited you to the church, all that other stuff. We don't, we we don't, we won't ask you to do that. But I will ask you if you could text the word BTVIP to the number ninety-seven thousand. Uh, that would give somebody from our staff an opportunity to reach out to you, connect to you uh, sometime in the next few weeks in a deeper way. Thank God for all of you. Uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. That's where our assignment is this morning, Genesis chapter 15. And while you're turning there, uh, you guys know if you've been coming to BT for uh, a good amount of time, we, we like to have a culture of celebration. Amen. We like to celebrate what God is doing in the life of our church. We get excited about that. And we like to celebrate spiritual decisions. And It's crazy. Uh, So far this year through the ministry of BT Church, and when I say the ministry of BT Church, I don't just mean, we don't just mean what happens on Sunday morning. But through the ministry of BT Church, we, we, we talk about Sunday mornings and then what happens through the people that call BT Church home, what happens throughout the week as people go and be the church throughout the week. And so that's what I mean. That's what we mean when we say through the ministry of BT Church. Through the ministry of BT Church this year, we can celebrate 317 people saying yes to Jesus Christ, trusting him as their Lord and Savior. Come on, we get excited about that. Very excited. And also through the ministry of BT Church, we can celebrate 200 people. Well, because we had one last service. 201 people. Going public in their faith in the waters of baptism, we are so excited about that. And and listen, I I don't know, I don't know if that gets you excited, but but I remember the last church uh, where I served as as a pastor, and and I remember praying for one person to be baptized because it because it had been a while. I remember that, and I remember a senior sister in the church. Uh, she said she wanted to be baptized. She, she hadn't been baptized since placing her faith in Christ Jesus. And, man, that baptism, because it was the answer to prayer, I dunked that lady so hard in Jesus' name. <laughs> I was so excited to baptize one person. I was like, I hope they don't sue pastors for baptism. It got to be somebody that can help a brother. I did. I dunked her hard in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we were so excited. And, and I say all that to say I share, I share with the Dream Team a uh, c- couple Sundays ago. They get here early. I said, hey, guys, let's not take for granted what God is doing in our midst. Amen. Let's enjoy it and let's faithfully steward it and let's thank God for it. Amen. What we get to see is special. Amen. So let's give God a praise for that. All right, are you in chapter 15 of Genesis? Did I tell y'all the chapter? Oh, okay, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Genesis chapter 15 is where our assignment will be this morning. We are continuing our series on experiencing God. This has been a powerful series. Um, We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that goes along with this series. How many of y'all come to Wednesday night? Show of hands. Praise the name, praise the name, amen. Hey, guess what? If you haven't joined us for Wednesday night, you can join us. We have a few more Wednesday nights to go, several more to go. Uh, you can join us now. We have books in the bookstore. You can join us right now. But but we're looking at what it means to, to know God, to hear him speak, to do his will, what it means to experience God. Uh, we believe when we look at The scriptures that God, He is a God who wants His people to experience Him, to know Him. God is not just a master clockmaker that has wound up time and placed His hands off. No, God is active, He is involved, He is real, and He wants to be known and experienced. By his people, so that's that's what our series has been about. Uh, this morning, we are going to look at a very familiar uh, person in the scriptures. Uh, we know him as Abraham, but but when we are introduced to him in the scriptures, his name is not Abraham. That that change and transition happened as he experienced God. So, meet me in Genesis fifteen, uh, beginning at verse one. Y'all ready? All right, it says this, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued. Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, meaning Abram said, Lord God, how can I know that I will possess it? He said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So he brought all these to him, cut them in half, and laid the pieces opposite each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. Verse 11, birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away as the sun was setting A deep sleep came over Abram and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. That's our assignment for this morning. We're going to preach for the next few minutes about the questions in our crisis. The questions in our crisis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Father, we've worshiped you through singing and giving. And now, as we prepare to worship you through the hearing and preaching Of your word, it is my humble prayer that by the power of the Holy Spirit, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. And let your people be beautifully blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The questions in our crisis. When I was growing up in school, they they taught me about the fundamentals of a great story, and I don't know, maybe, maybe they taught you this in school, but they taught me this, that the fundamentals of a great story, uh, you need to have the who, you need to have the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Did they teach you all that? They taught me that. Okay. We, we went to good schools. Amen. Went to good schools. They taught me that. They said, hey, you want to have a great story, you need to have the who, The what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. We see all of that kind of in our text, but what I've discovered living life is a a lot of times when I am in a crisis, when we find ourselves in a crisis, we are asking those same questions. (laughs) Who, what, when, where, why? How? Here's what I've found out about God though, and I've shared this a little bit. Uh, God, He does not answer all of our questions exhaustively, but He does answer all of our questions sufficiently. When we are in a crisis and we find ourselves wanting to know the answers to all of those questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, God will answer, but he, he will not answer every question that we have exhaustively, but he will answer those questions sufficiently. This is where we meet Abram. In Genesis 15, we meet Abram. This is... The scene following Abraham's victory over the kings of the valley where his nephew Lot was kidnapped. And Abraham, Abram at the time, he had to strap up, get over 300 of his crew. And then he had to go and win back, get back his nephew Lot. After this experience in the life of Abraham, the word of the Lord comes to Abraham. And God says to Abraham, as we read it in verse 1 of chapter 15, God says to Abraham, do not be afraid because I am your shield and your reward will be very great. Now, after Abraham hears this word from the Lord, Abraham, he has some questions. Why? Because when Abraham looks at his present situation as he looks at his life. His life is not looking like how God said it would look when God called him in Genesis chapter 12. And then when God helped him and told him that he would have offspring as numerous as the sands on the shore, God told him that in Genesis chapter 13. Now God has just given him great victory from the Valley of the Kings in Genesis chapter 14. And, and Abram Abraham is, is looking at his life and he remembers God's word. And he's like, God, cool. But my life doesn't look like how you said it would look right now. I'm in a crisis. <laughs> because when you called me, I was 75 years old. Now, several years have passed. And guess what? I still do not have son you know a lot of times our crisis lead us to ask God those same questions God I know what you said but I also know what I see and what I feel amen don't be too hard on Abram because all of us under the sound of my voice I know I know old folks say don't question God and they probably question God a time or two before that amen but many of us have been there, right? Some of us are there right now. And here's, here's what I want us to understand. God can handle the questions that we have for him in our crisis. But do you know something? Our crisis will ask some questions of us. Our crisis will put the squeeze on us, and life will begin to ask us questions. And the questions that we have for God, life will ask you some questions. Amen. Like, do you really believe what you say you believe? Do you really trust God? Will you live for Him? Are you going to be committed? And so when we when we look at the questions in our crisis, these questions reveal who we believe God to be, how we will live our lives, and it reveals the depth of our relationship with our God that wants us to experience Him. So, Uh, Here are the questions in our crisis. Number one, gift or the giver? That's the first question. Do I just want the gift or do I want the giver? It's right here in your text. I'm not making it up. Verse 1. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Verse 2, but Abram said to the Lord, what can you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Do y'all see that? God just told Abraham, hey, you got me. And Abram just said to God, hey, God, what you going to give me? Because I don't have a son. Many times our crisis will cause us to focus on what we lack, not what we have left. Are you with me? And what I love about God is this. God, he does not reveal to him everything. God does not give him the how. God does not give him the why. He is childless. God does not give him all of the what. God doesn't tell him the when yet. But what God does tell him is the who. God says, hey, Abraham, Abram at the time, you he's going to be Abraham. <laughs> he says, I am your shield. You don't have a son yet, but you got me now. And there are times in our lives when our crisis hit. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Don't sit on me and get nervous in the service. You know I'm telling the truth. There are times when we are in a crisis. We just want the problem solved. We don't want the problem solver. We want to be delivered. We want deliverance. We don't want a relationship with the deliverer. We just want the healing. We don't want the healer. But God says, hey, hey Abraham, you, you, you don't worry about the gift yet. I am here and I am your shield. You have the giver. And if you got the giver, That's the greatest gift. Are you with me? Sometimes we miss that in our crisis because we're focused on what we lack, not what we have left, not who we have left. And God says, hey, Abram, guess what? I am your shield. That means this, that I am your protection. Basically, a shield in those ancient times would protect you from life or death. Amen. The distance between you and the dart, the buffer, would be a shield. And God says, hey, Abram, guess what? You just went out and you fought in the valley of the kings, and I'm the one that gave you victory. And here's what I want you to understand, that there is nothing that will come into your life that won't have to first go through me. And if it has to go through me, that means this. Either I will allow it or I will allow it and use it for my glory. Because I'm your shield. Abram said, God, what can you give me? I'm still childless, man. And so our crisis will ask us, do we just want the giver or do we just want the gift? And sometimes we can tell how people respond because when people are in a crisis, they come to church. And guess what? You should come to church when you are in a crisis. But then when the crisis is over, guess what? Padres see him more than the church see them. Amen. I'm, y'all know I'm a pastor. I'm not in your business. I'm just saying. I ain't saying don't go to the beach. You can go to the beach, please. I want to go to the beach. But I'm just saying, when, when you're in a crisis, you you at the church even before it opened. You, 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 you're there before the man with the key there, and, you, and you're praying, and you're on the altar. But then after God answers, everybody like, peace, God, thank you, I'm good. What that reveals is this. You weren't after the giver. You just wanted the gift. But God says, Abram, there's, there's so much more for you than just what I can do for you. (laughs) So so much more than just what I can do for you. I I want you to know who I can be for you, (laughs) who I am to you. And because of Christ Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We don't just have the giver around us or beside us or above us. We have the giver dwelling in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so our crisis will, will ask us, do we, do we want to give her, or to give? The second question our crisis will ask us, look, it's right in the text. I'm not making none of this up. The, the second question our crisis will ask us is this, will we make faith plans or will we make sight plans? I don't want you all to think I make this up. It's in the Bible. Look. Abraham, he, he continued in, in, in verse 3, he said, God, I'm childless. I, I, I'm going to have to leave everything that you're blessing me with to my servant, Eliezer of Damascus. He said, look, you've given me no offspring. My house will go to my servant. And in those ancient times, um, and this is attested to in the book of Proverbs, it, it, it was known that that. A faithful servant in your house could join your table and join your family as an heir to everything you had, and, and that faithful servant could even replace your biological children if your children were a fool. You know, if they was a fool and, and you had to write them out your will, they would write their... certain. Now, I'm not telling you write your children out your will. Some of y'all are like, already, that joke has been crazy all his life. I'm... Gonna give it to somebody that's. <laughs> but that's in the book of Proverbs. It, it said that a, a faithful servant can, can 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 one day rule over the house in place of a foolish son and 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 sit at the table as an heir. And and so if if that is the case with a foolish son, well, in Abram's mind, he like God, I ain't got no son, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to leave it. Abram is already making plans. Purely based on what he can see now at the moment. And here's what I love about God. Look at at verse verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to him and he says, this one will not be your heir. Long story short, God said no. (laughs) Abram, your plan is not my plan. What you have in mind is not what God has in mind. And what God has in mind is always better than what we have in mind. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a crisis, I get real resourceful with some plans. Yeah. Like you start to try to cross Every T, dot, every I, start making everything up. Some people in the crisis, you start selling everything that ain't tied down. You like, you know what? I make bags now. I sell this now. I do that now. You get in the crisis, just get real resourceful. And we start making plans, and this is what Abram is doing. His mind is already running, saying, I'm going to leave everything, God, that you've blessed me with, with my servant who I can see right now. But here's the thing about God. God... He gives us his plans, and I love it how Henry Blackaby says it in the book, Experiencing God. He says God's plans are God-sized, which means this. We are going to need faith if we're going to realize and join God in the fulfillment of his plan, and that means if it requires faith, then it has got to be beyond just what I see right now. Amen. Sometimes in a crisis, we get tunnel vision, and we get stuck, and we get confused, and we get depressed, and all that we focus on is what we can see right now. And guess what? What we can see right now, that's not all there is to see. Are you with me? We, we joke around in sermon prep because we say perspective a lot and and we feel like uh, we, you know we, you, as a preacher you don't want to overuse words you want to you want to dive into the voluminous vault of your vocabulary and pull out a different word you know occasionally when you preach like that but but sometimes they're just great words to, to use and and perspective is just one of those words and you know what perspective can do perspective can cause us to look at things that we really see but they are not ultimately really real. Let me tell you what I mean. When I was little, don't laugh at me, but when I was little, I used to think that I could outrun a plane. Ain't that crazy? Now, I don't know about you, but when you're looking at the plane from a distance, it looks slow, don't it? It, look, it, look, it looks very slow. And when I was little, I used to think that I could outrun a plane. And so you tell your friend, oh man, I can outrun that plane. You know when you're a kid, you lie for fun. It ain't really lying. But you know, like you said, like, that's my car. That ain't your car. You know, it still ain't my car. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but you used to do that. You like, I can outrun that plane. But then when I got to high school and the little bit I paid attention to when they started talking about physics and all of this other stuff and how fast the plane has to be and the law of lift and the law of gravity and all of that and we did those calculations, I said, man, I was crazy. (laughs) I can't outrun no plane. But see, my perspective was limited. What, What I saw, I really saw But what I saw wasn't really real because nobody in here can outrun a plane. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this, that when we are in a crisis, our crisis will ask us, will you make a faith plan or will you make a sight plan? God says, Abram, listen, your plan is a plan just based off of what you can see right now. And that is not the plan that I have for you because I am God of heaven and earth. I see your past, your present and future, and I see all at the same time, and my plan is better than your plan. Amen. 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 Anytime, anytime we choose faith plans, we settle for what God has for us. Anytime we choose sight plans, we settle for less than what God has for us. Are you with me? I'm, I'm going to say that again. Anytime we settle for faith plans and we, and we go and we choose faith plans, we settle for what God has for us. And that's not settling at all. That's, that's, that's a good deal. But anytime we, anytime we choose sight plans, we settle for less than what God has for us. Now, how can I choose faith plans? I, I love this because God says, here's how you're going to be able to choose faith plans, Abram go outside and learn how to count i'm not i'm not making it up it's in your it's in your bible verse five he took him outside and said look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them man this is about to preach i got real excited when i was studying this i got real excited because one reason why I got real excited is because I remember what God told Abraham, Abram in chapter 13. And in chapter 13 of the book of Genesis, God tells Abram to look down and try to number the grains of sand on the shore. He said, look, look down and see if you can number the grain of sand. Learn, learn, learn how to count. Learn how to count on earth. And I got real excited because now God is raising Abram's gaze to the heavens. And he said, Okay, now look up and see if you can learn how to count the stars. Now, this may not move you like it moved me in our study. But here's the thing we can't count the grains of sand, and we can't count the stars. You will lose count. Are you with me? Some of y'all don't believe me, and, and, and I think Brian, one of our elders, he told me, and, 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 it, and it's so true. He said, uh, man, Brian, Brian, he can preach. He said, you know, have you ever thought to think about how clear the night sky was back then? He said, we we live in town, and, and I, I'm telling you, I, I grew up in a city. I grew up in D.C. I think, you know, you look up in the air, you see about two stars, amen. <laughs> so much stuff going on then when i got to texas texas is big and when it get dark down here it get dark you hear me like it get very dark like some of y'all live way out there it get real dark i ain't gonna i ain't gonna name your hood because you get mad at me (laughs) But this is what Brian said, Brian said that there's so much there's so much light pollution now that when we look up, we may only think that there are you know tens of stars but but really if if you go somewhere that's really dark and look up at the sky, there are tens of thousands of stars. I said, man, that's going to preach why because Many times the darkness of our crisis, when God calls us to look up, we can see the flashes of his faithfulness that are too numerous to count. Are you with me? Somebody under the sound of my voice this morning you have you have learned that you have lost count of the ways that God has been faithful to you time after time again and we sing that song all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so good and all of my life must include when i face a crisis you'll lose count <laughs> And I believe Abram said to himself, as he looked up at the stars and he started trying to count, and then he realized that, man, I can't count these stars. (laughs) He said, man, I can't count these stars, so I might as well trust the one who made the stars. And not only did God make the stars, but according to Psalms, I believe it's 147, the Scripture says this, that God didn't only make the stars, but he made the stars, he numbered the stars, and he knows the stars by name. Good God Almighty. That is the God that said to Abram, hey, I am your shield. And then then Abram does something. He enacted in the faith plan because it says he believed the Lord and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. And so what do we do with our sight plans? Our sight plans must be submitted to the word of God so that we can start making faith plans. Are you with me? God does something powerful in Abram's life. He says, Abram, I'm going I'm to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you right standing with me, not because you're good and great and powerful and awesome, but because I'm great, I'm good, I'm powerful, and I'm awesome. Abram is able to respond in faith because he is responding to the faithfulness of God. How do you know this? Look at it. It's right here. It's right here in the text. Verse 7, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. What was God saying? God was saying, hey, Abram, guess what? I I want you to know. That the reason why you're able to respond to me is because I initiated our relationship together. I'm the one that called you out. I'm the one that chose you. I'm the one who knows you. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one who's going to be your shield. So you know I'm the one that's going to fulfill the promise. I'll never forget when my daughter was little. I love her. And now that she's big, I look back on all of these little moments. Like, people used to say that all the time when she was little. They used to be be like, oh, it's going to happen so fast. And I used to be like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Because those days were long. Amen. (laughs) But you know what? It happened real fast. 13 years happened real fast. Amen. But I remember when my daughter was little, and my daughter, you know, when kids get in their language, um, she was little, and she could talk up a storm. And, and you know, sh- she wouldn't say, now she could say, what we going to have for dinner. I don't want that. You know, can we go to Chick-fil-A again? She, she, now she can, she can put it all together. But when she was little, this is what she used to say. She used to say, Daddy, are we going to eat today? And I used to look at her, you know, as a parent, you know, that kind of hit me in the gut a little bit. You know, I got offended with her. I said, Joke, I feed you every day. (laughs) What you mean, are you going to eat today? (laughs) Daddy, are we going to eat today? I mean, I'm I'm serious. Thank God we never missed a meal. She never had to ask that. But that's, you know, she used to ask that. (laughs) Daddy, are we going to eat today? And I said, "Baby, Daddy feeds you every day." And I said, "Well, this is what we're gonna have and everything." And, and praise the Lord. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't know. She didn't know that she could rely and trust on me like that. Do you see what I'm saying? I think sometimes in our crisis, that's that's how we are with our God. We look at God and we're like, "God, are you gonna be with me today? God, are you gonna come through today? God, are you gonna answer my prayer today?" God, do you hear me today? God, will you provide today? And and what I want you to understand and what all of us should understand is this. Don't base your faith off of what you see right now. Base your faith off of what God says. Base your faith off of the faithfulness of God. God says, Abram, I'm the one that called you out in the first place. And I didn't call you out to leave you now. God says, I called you from Ur of the Chaldeans, verse 7, to give you this land to possess. Now, Abram had a question. He said, Lord, how can I know (laughs) that I will possess it? Now, sometimes when we read the Scriptures, we get hard on the people in the Bible. But I just want us to understand something. I just want us to understand something. We have benefits that they didn't have. Are you with me? Like we we have the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? We have the support of the church. A lot of the patriarchs, they didn't have what, what we have, okay? That's why Jesus said about Abraham, he said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Abraham's like, man, I can't wait to Jesus come. You see what I'm saying? When God told Abraham that he was going to give him the land of Canaan where, where Abraham was residing, there were ten nations already dwelling there. God says, hey, I'm going to give you the land where ten nations are currently residing. God said, I'm going to give that to one Man and his family. Abraham was like, "Um, how do I know that I'm going to possess it? It's one of me. And it's ten nations. One of me. Ten nations. Abraham wanted to know the how. God wanted Abraham to know the who. Are you with me? This leads us to our last question in our crisis, action or inaction, action or inaction. Will we be paralyzed not to move because of what we see, or will we be inspired and motivated to act in response to the faithful promises of God? Abram said, it's ten nations, God. How do I know I'm going to possess it? (laughs) And I love God because look at what God does. God says, okay. Okay. Bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, I don't know about you, but I just told you that there were ten nations residing where God told Abram he was going to inherit. And if you ask God, how do I know I'm going to possess it? Let me tell you how. I want God to respond to my question. I want God to respond to my question with some weaponry. (laughs) It's ten nations, God. (laughs) I need some chariots. I need some bows, some arrows. Amen. I'll take a few slingshots. I don't know if they were invented yet, but I'll take some of them too. But notice what God does. This is going to preach. God says, here's how you know you're going to possess it. Let's put some blood on it. (laughs) God said, Give me some animals to sacrifice. We got to put some blood on it. You know, growing up, growing up, if you really meant what you were saying and, and, you, and you kept your word, you know, you know when, when, when you were promising on a little thing, you would like pinky swear. Anybody pinky swear? Yeah, but that's for baby stuff, you know. But when you was promising something real big, you can't do this because COVID came out. But how many of y'all was spitting your hand and the other person spitting their hand and you shaking on it? How many of y'all did that? I'm in here by myself this morning. Okay, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Now, now don't still be doing that with COVID out. Right? You, you spit on your hand and shake on it. Right? If it was something serious. If it was something serious, like real serious. Now they told us don't do this. But if you wanted to let people know you wasn't lying, you were gonna keep your word. You, you made a promise for real. Well, you would raise your hand and you say what? I swear to God. Some of y'all see, some of y'all got scared. I, I felt that clinch. I know. I ain't just start doing this. But how many of y'all would say that? If you come on, y'all was little, so you know, God forgive you. If you was really serious, you you raise your hand, you'd be like, no, I'm serious. I swear to to God. Well, guess what God does in our text? God says, I swear to God that I'm going to keep my word. (laughs) I love it. I love it because God says, here's how you know, Abram, that I'm going to keep my word to you, that I'm going to keep my promise. I want to put blood on this. And so Abram got... The sacrifices that God had required, he cut them in half and, and he spread them about and, 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 and the blood would make an aisle and it would be bloody and nasty and and the two parties would walk between the dead carcasses of the animals of sacrifice. They would put blood on it, but that is not what happens in Genesis 15. What happens in Genesis 15 is God himself walks through God himself says let's put blood on it I promise you that I will keep my word even though you're in a crisis guess what God put blood on it that he promises that he will be with us that we will see the bright side after the crisis that his promise in our life would be fulfilled his will will be accomplished he put blood on it amen amen How do I know God put blood on it? Because he put blood on it with with Abram, and then he would then enact the sacrificial system with the nation of Israel after Abram had sons, and they had sons, and they became numerous, and they became a nation. And and God would say, hey, all of the sin that y'all commit, guess what? That's not going to break my promise to you because on the Day of Atonement, guess what we can do? We can put blood on it. And that would wipe away the sins, and they would be restored in relationship with God. And then, I love God because he's so great. God didn't just give Abram a son. God, through Abram's line, sent his son. He sent Jesus Christ. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And one Friday, Jesus walked up Calvary's hill, and what did he do? He put blood on it. He put blood on it to show us that God will fulfill his promises to his people, even in a crisis. I'm done now. That, that was good. I'm done. <laughs> Action or inaction. I'm serious. <laughs> Action or inaction. Notice what Abram does. He, he acts in response to to God's Word. He acts in faith to the faithfulness of God. God put blood on it. Abram, what does Abram do? Look at verse 12. (laughs) As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. But guess what Abram was doing when terror and darkness descended on him, He was asleep. <laughs> I heard a preacher say, uh, Maurice Watson, he says, sleep is a silent declaration of faith in God. That if you can go to sleep, you can trust God with it. Amen. Somebody today, you need to act in faith by going to bed tonight. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've I've faced situations that kept my mind running, running, running all night long. Have you ever been there? And then if you doze off and and do go to sleep, you wake up more tired than you were when you went to sleep because even while you were asleep, your mind was running. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Well, the scripture says a, a deep sleep came over Abram as God was fulfilling his covenant. And 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 as we respond in faith actively, guess what? An active faith should be able to go to sleep at night. Hallelujah. If you are responding to the faithfulness of God when you go to bed tonight, you should sleep like a baby. Yeah. I'm done. I'm serious. What What do we do with all of that? The questions in our crisis. When we face a crisis, number one, believe God. Believe God. Giver or the gift, believe the giver while you wait on the gift. (laughs) Because God may give us the gift in a package that we don't expect. The gift may come wrapped in a package that we least expect, and if we're just fixated on the gift, we won't rely on the giver to provide for us. Amen. Y'all remember that that saying where the person was like, they were stuck on the roof, and and they were praying to God, come help me, and then the boat came, and then the helicopter came. Y'all know that? Yeah. And then they end up dying on the roof and get to heaven, and they say, God, why you didn't come and help me? And God's like, I sent The helicopter, I sent the boat, I sent all of that. You just, I don't know, you were tripping. I don't know. (laughs) But believe God. Believe his word. Trust him. God, I'm going to say it, God is faithful. God is faithful. When we are not faithful, God is faithful. Faithful. He's worthy of our trust. The text says something interesting, too. It says this, that Abram, as birds of prey descended on the dead carcasses, it says this, Abram began to wave away the birds that wanted to descend on the dead carcass. Number two, guard your commitment to God while you're in a crisis. Guard your commitment. You cannot predict the outcome. We don't know how God is going to work it out. We don't know when God is going to work it out. You know what we can control? We can control our level of commitment. Amen. So guard your commitment. When a crisis hits, that's not the time to shrink back. That's not the time to fall back. That's the time to fall down. Amen. And I know I was picking on people that go to the beach earlier, but, but hear me. If you are in a crisis, come to church. That's the best place to be. Amen. Don't leave your community group when you're in a crisis. Stay. But I don't want nobody to know my business. People going to know it anyway. Let me just tell you the truth. Y'all know I'm going to tell you the truth. People going to know your business anyway. You might as well have people to know your business that know how to pray, that know God. Amen. Amen. That's not the time to fall back from community. Oh, man, I'm just, I I don't feel worthy enough to go in there. Oh, if I go in there, I'm going to burn up. Listen, if the church ain't burned up with me in it yet, I think you got a good chance. Amen. (laughs) You'll be all right. Guard your commitment. And how do we guard our commitment? We stay in communion with the Father. What I I love about Abram is this. He had questions in his crisis. Who was he taking his questions to? God. Every time, he was taking it to God. And was God offended? Was God upset? No. Did God answer everything like he wanted, uh, like Abram wanted him to answer? No. (laughs) But God promised to be with Abram And he promises to be with you. And then lastly, Abram went into a deep sleep. I want us to rest in the faithfulness of God. When you have questions in your crisis, one of the best things you can do as you wait for God to come through is to rest in God's past faithfulness. God, I don't know what you're going to do in the days ahead, but I know what you have done to get me to this point, and I'm going to rest in that. That's what the three Hebrew boys did, right? That's what they did. They rested in the faithfulness of God, and God saw them through every time. That's my Sunday school lesson. I'm done. I'm done. My Bible's closed. I'm done. Maybe you hear under the sound of my voice this morning, and you say, Pastor Nick, that 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 was a moving message, but you know, I I have a lot of questions in my crisis. I I don't I don't know who God is. I don't know I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how God can forgive me after all that I've done. You don't know what I did last year. You don't know what I did last week. Pastor Nick, you don't know what I've done, what I, what I even did last night. I, I, I don't know how you can forgive me, how he can forgive me. Well, I want you to know that God is faithful, that God is real, that, that you were created on purpose for a purpose, that God has a purpose for you and God loves you so much that he does not want sin to separate you in him. So what did God do? God sent his son Jesus Christ in the likeness of sinful flesh so that we could become the righteousness of God. How can God forgive us? Jesus. That's how. Why would God forgive us? Jesus. And so today if you're under the sound of my voice and you're in a crisis, and you want to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this prayer with me. This prayer is not, it's not a magic recitation. No, this, this prayer is just us expressing our faith In Jesus, by calling on the name of the Lord. And according to the Word of God, it says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're ready to trust Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior, repeat after me Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you this day confessing that I need you. I'm lost and I need to be found. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I have questions. And you are the answer. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that, God, you raised him again from the dead on the third day. And this morning, I trust Jesus with my life. I place my faith in him. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. My life is yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen.